Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. Welcome into episode 170 of the Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, are you ready to break down the always exciting shortstop position? Yeah, I bet we could go three hours at this position, but don't worry, we won't keep you that long. So or there's a lot, of, a, lot of good, yeah, <laughs> a lot of good players to discuss for sure, and... I think just on my prospect rankings, I pulled like of the top 400. There were 87 source stops. So yep. just kind of wild. I mean, the top 30 probably goes to maybe not even 200. Yes, yeah, probably like 150 overall, 170 overall. So the position's in good hands. And while most good prospects come up and are short stops, good athletes, they will typically, some will move off the position. So you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk about some of those that we think may move off the position some. But overall, it's still a really good group of players. It's going to be a, a really fun to break down. Oh, yeah. I think I have – let's see. I think I think he's the last one. So in my top 100 for prospects, I think I have like 23, 24, 25 in that range. And in my dynasty, I'm just going off of – let's see. My last one, my top 100. Probably right there. So about 20 for dynasty purposes. So yeah, a lot as, as there always is, obviously this position is always loaded, especially on the prospect front. Cause you know, like everyone wants to play shortstop growing up. I know I wanted to play shortstop, but not everybody can play shortstop. These guys <laughs> move off the third to second to, you know, center, whatever, but that's the nature of the game. But this is going to be a really fun episode. Like Chris said, we probably could go three hours if you see when you go to listen to this on Thursday or whenever you do. If you see, you know, three hours and five minutes on your thing on, you know, the listing. I'm sorry. We're sorry. But no, we'll keep it to under 75 minutes or so. But yeah, let's get get right into it, though, because we have a lot to talk about here. 
You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at EricCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Got a little bit of a change to quickly mention here in terms of Patreon and whatnot. So going forward, just due to you know our obligations elsewhere and our life and whatnot, we, we made a little bit of a change to the Patreon moving forward. We thought it was you know best for both of us and kind of fit our schedules a bit better. I think we, it just made a lot of sense, something we were talking about for a month, month and a half now or so. So the Patreon right now will be, going forward, will be just my content. And then Chris will also be doing a sub stack, and I'll let him discuss what he'll, you can find on there. Yeah, so I guess it's a tough decision. We've done the Patreon for a while. This affects nothing with the podcast at all. Like It's still full throttle with the podcast. So I hope that everybody hears that loud and clear, that we're committed to growing this podcast to be the best Dynasty pod in the industry. But with the Patreon, just to... As far as the time commitment and everything going on in life, you know, we figured it'd be best to split. Like, and you know, we've been fortunate to be really successful, and we appreciate all the support in that. But you know, it's a dream for I know Eric to make it full time in this industry. So part of this is that you know, in doing our own thing, it really increases our chances of of doing that. And so you know, by doing that, it pushes Eric certainly a step closer to this this dream of one day being able to do this full time. Also, like. I saw there was a good thread from Matt Goodwin and he was talking about the the grind of being in the industry. And just I'll take a second just to say, like, this isn't a job for most of us. I mean, at the end of the day, like we we all have day jobs and we have families and kids, and this is something that we just love doing. So it does take a lot of time. And so for every listener that supports us, it it means a lot. And when you write a review on Apple Pods, it goes a long way. Or when you comment on a an article that we write, like it really does mean something because like it's it's not something we do all day every day as much as we love that. So it's extra time. Yes, extra time we're putting in and late hours at night. And you know, don't hear that as like whining, like we do it because we love it. But ultimately just to say, like, when you support us, it means a lot. So we do thank you for that. But on that note, as I'm stepping away from the Patreon, I'm going to be doing a sub stack just kind of with a little bit of my own stuff. It's going to be called the Dynasty Dugout. We've got a really cool logo made with that. And I'll be doing just a variety of Dynasty and prospect content there. I'm going to drop my top 500 prospect rankings there pretty soon. You can sub to it. Like, it's free to sub. There is some, there's like a paid option as well, but you know, there'll definitely be free stuff as well. So if you want to sub, you can go to, I think it's called, yeah, dynastydugout.substack.com. And I'll be posting it, obviously, when I post an article, so you can find it on Twitter and literally just put your email in and it sends it straight to your inbox when I post something. So I'll be doing that. I'll be doing some stuff in season, like kind of some daily dynasty write ups, just kind of like looking at, you know, everything that happened the previous day for minor league and majors and how it impacts dynasty. And even, like I said, the rankings will be there. And so that's that's where those will be. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about where both of us are going at the end of the day. And, you know, like there's, you know, Eric's my closest friend in this industry. And so this podcast will always stay and it'll always be something that we're pursuing to make the best it can be and in hopes that this podcast lasts a really long time. So thank you to all listeners. 2023 is going to be a great year in a lot of different ways. And by supporting us, in the variety of ways that you can, it, it means a lot. So a little bit of a rant, but thank you. That's all I got to say. Yeah. And, and just to add like, absolutely 
this podcast, like Chris and I are both 110% committed to continuing to grow this in 2023 and beyond. Like this is episode 170. I want to see episode 970, 1270. <laughs> like I want this to be around when, you know, Chris and I are in our forties and we're, you know, middle-aged men and our kids are teenagers or college age kids, whatever. So yeah, definitely we are fully committed to this pod. Just, you know, the, the, where some of our written stuff where that's going to be is going to change a little bit moving forward, a little, but a little bit of shifting around. Still get a lot of content. Like I'll, I'll still be putting out a ton of content on Patreon. And one thing I, I do want to announce as well in terms of my rankings, you know, this is something I've been thinking about, struggling with for a while slowly my rankings meaning my prospect and dynasty the you know the big top 500 top 400 ones will be going at least partially behind the paywall i'm not i'm not never gonna put them fully behind the paywall but i think more so the in-season ones i'm at this point i'm leaning towards doing like you know the big one like january the big new one for the first of the year being you know 100 free on fan tracks then moving forward, it's probably going to be, you know, maybe the in-season ones will be, you know, the top 50 or whatever. I'm still figuring out the details, but, you know, there'll be, you know, a, a snippet of it live on, you know, for free. And then, you know, deeper looks at it will be available behind the Patreon. Like I said, something I've been struggling with, but I think it's, you know, it's time for me to do that. So hopefully people will still go over to the Patreon, support my work over to Chris's Substack, support his work. Like we, we do this because we love it. We put, you know, blood, sweat, tears into not literally, but <laughs> well, sometimes, uh, <laughs> but uh, into our work. Cause we, we love baseball. We love fantasy baseball, dynasty prospects, et cetera. So much that, you know, we love and, you know, enjoy making content, written audio, whatever it may be. So hopefully everyone will still continue to support, you know, everything, all the written stuff in in the new spots or the same spot with different looks. So yeah, this is just a little update here, but let's get into the show now. Well, first I got a quick read for fan tracks here. 2023 leagues are all open here. You get your best balls, you get your draft tail, you get classic drafts, all the fun stuff. So if you got that itch already, you know, it's January, it's not too far away. We're about three months from the start of the season, dra- draft season, content seasons really ramping up now everywhere. So you want to get in your drafts, go over to there. And if you want to move over your a new league today, you can do so at fantrax.com slash toolshed and get all your good league perks there. All right, Chris, shortstop. Let's get into it. Top 10 shortstop prospect rankings. Actually, you know what? So many prospects here. Let's go. Usually top 10 is good for the other, the other positions in the infield. Right. But let's do let's do a top 20 here because that still is about top 100 overall. So, yeah, top 20 shortstop prospects. All right. So one through five, we'll go Gunnar Henderson, Ellie De La Cruz, Anthony Volpe, Jordan Lawler, Ezekiel Tovar. Six through 10, Jackson Holiday, Royce Lewis, Marcelo Meyer, Marco Luciano and 10 is Colson Montgomery 11 through 15 is Oswald Peraza, Jackson Merrill, Brooks Lee, Noelvi Marte and Jordan Westberg. And then 16 through 20 is Mason Wynn, Adele Amador, Luis Angel Acuna, Brayon Rocchio and Zach Neto. A lot of fun names there here. So, they're here. I just put two words together. That 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 didn't sound right. But mine one through five: Gunnar Henderson, Ellie De La Cruz, Jordan Lawler, Anthony Volpe, 
and Ezekiel Tovar, 6 through 10. Noelvi Marte, Jackson Holiday, Marcelo Mayer, Royce Lewis, Oswald Peraza, 11 through 15. And a lot of these guys are dual eligible, tri eligible. So again, a lot of these, some of these names are going to move off. This is nope, not everybody can play shortstop. Like Luis Ahnal Cunha, who's probably, actually, I don't know. He might be second base, but he's kind of blocked at both spots. So who knows where he ends up. But 11 through 15 is Luis Ahnal Cunha, Marco Luciano. Adele Amador, Edwin Arroyo, Jackson Merrill, 16 through 20, Mason Wynn, Jordan Westberg, Brian Rocio, Junior Caminero, and Addison Barger. Man, that is a really, really fun list here. Starting right at the top, you know, I think I have five of those. So Gunner, Ellie, Lawler, Volpe, and Tovar all in my top 10. I think Tovar has to see right at number 10. And Volpe at seven, Lawler at five, Ellie at four, Gunner at two. So man, like picking between these guys is, you know, it's it's nitpicking at this point. Though there are some safer options. You know, Ellie probably doesn't really fall into that safe option. Let's start with him, Chris. So obviously the upside is like fantasy first round upside. It's like He's got that power, speed, you know, athleticism, all of that to, you know, maybe put him on par up kind of close to the Acunas and Tatises. And that is incredibly high praise, but that's what he has shown. That's what the raw tool suggests. But K rate is still super high. Contact rates aren't the greatest. He has shown slight improvements here or there. Are you confident, Chris, that he can continue to make those improvements? And, you know, I don't think he's ever going to hit 300, but even just to hit like two, you know, 260, 270 or so, given that power speed, are you confident that he can continue to kind of make those improvements as he gets older? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think so. And I think we've seen little strides like throughout the career so far. So, yeah, I think it's a easy case of saying like I'm confident in this profile. They will continue to progress. And I think that there is an elite hitter in, in this profile for sure with the power speed. Even if, even if there's you know, not great contact. And he, even if it's just a 270 average, you can live with that for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That would be yeah. a great outcome. And and some people, you know, I've talked to, you know, in various places that are, you know, big Reds fans or, you know, in, you know, kind of do a little bit of work and watch a lot of Reds minor league games. You know, a few people said that the, just the quality of his, his bats was kind of getting slowly better over the course of the season. That's something that doesn't always show up in a box score, you know, in on baseball reference, fan graphs, whatever. But I am I am confident, you know, is he ever going to, like I said, is he ever going to hit 300? No, probably not. But I think he can get in that 260, 270 range, have decent enough contact skills with the power, quality of contact that he has, the speed, the ballpark. Like, this is, this is a fantasy monster waiting to happen. So it's like, it's really, really tempting to, like, put him one. You know, he, he's in that he's in that mix of obviously Gunner, Carroll going to graduate like first week of the season. And, you know, there's him, there's Lawler, there's Jackson Cherio, there's Jordan Walker. It's really, really tempting to put him number one overall once those yeah. two graduate. Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 will likely be the case for me, depending on how the early season sample goes, because, I mean, they will Gunner and Corbin Carroll will graduate within the first month of the year. So if Ellie gets off to a solid start, I think he'll be number one for me. 
Yeah, I'm thinking so too. But let's fast forward, knowing what we know about him and what let's let's use Jordan Walker. Who do you think? Let's fast forward like five years. Who do you think is being drafted higher, Ellie or Jordan Walker? It's a good question. I'm I'm tempted. I, I do think Ellie. In reality, I mean, if you look at the breakdown even further from like Ellie to Jordan Walker, Ellie had better zone contact in the season. So if you're questioning there, like it's close, but Ellie had a little bit better zone contact. And then you look at a chase rate. I mean, they they both had poor chase rates during the regular season, both over 30%. And then overall contact rates were pretty similar to Jordan Walker had the slight advantage there. So at the end of the day, they both have monster power. I would, I would say Ellie has better speed and he profiles for more speed long-term. So I would, I do lean Ellie by a little bit. I do too. I I do think both are going to be top 25 players and maybe even first. I I don't know if I see Jordan Walker ever being first round. I can see him being a second round talent for sure. But I don't know quite if I see him first round, and I do think there is a path to Ellie being first round. Like that is everything clicks. He keeps, you know, developing as as a hitter. We're talking fancy first round upside. That that's what we're talking about here. So moving on here, you know, we have Lawler and Volpe both three four just in different orders here. Tovar at five, and and these are all you know. Obviously, everyone kind of looks at. Gunner and Ellie, those are the two kind of buzziest names at this position. But all three of these guys could be early round fantasy assets as well. Two of which we'll see this year: Tovar, hopefully an opening day, and West Colorado something stupid, which they probably will. Volpe should be up first half of the year. Maybe we see Lawler second half of the year. You know, more likely probably. You know, looking at early twenty twenty three. I guess it'll depend on how he looks this year. But you know, Lawler, I. I've loved Lawler. He was my, my number one for FYPD last year's, you know, sixth overall pick. Looking at in 2022 in the 100 games on the dot, seven home runs, 39 steals, only caught six times. Had, you know, right around a, you know, 11, 12% walk rate, kept the K rate relatively in check. It was right around 25%, which is not terrible. Want to see him, you know, swing, you know, little less swing and miss, but, you know, and then a lot of that was kind of, you know, kept in check overall with the, with the stats. I mean, double A, he only hit 212 in 20 games. So he was 351 in low A, 288 in high A, and he moved fairly quickly. He got the double A as a 19-year-old. You know, people talk about Cheerio getting up that high, and he's uh, he's a little bit younger. But Lawler, looking at his stats, you know, the age to level, he's still only he won't be 21 until mid-July, so right around mid-season or so. Lawler is another guy that, realistically could take over that number one spot at some point this year. Yeah. I don't think it's out of the question where he, I mean, he has the power speed. He has everything you really want to see. And ultimately with all three of the prospects, we've kind of talked a bit about with Ellie and Jordan Walker and Jordan Lawler. Like, I just want to see like, what kind of average do they settle into? Yeah. And that's the big question. Now, I've toyed a lot with do I have Volpe or Lawler high? Like I have Volpe higher than Lawler. It's literally one spot overall, and yeah, it's one same. spot in the shortstop rankings. But I've just really kind of debated back and forth as to who's the better prospect. I I land on Volpe right now. I think Volpe probably 
contribute sooner. And I don't know. I just feel like Volpe just stays underrated. And I'm not really sure why. But I think he's in this conversation for sure in this top tier of prospects. So, yeah, I, I think Lawler could certainly take that spot. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. I think, yeah, I, I've had that same back and forth struggle. Obviously, I, I love Volpe as well. And, yeah, it's weird. Like, I could see him being undervalued, underrated if he was like, I don't know, a Pittsburgh Pirate prospect or something like that. But this is a New York Yankees prospect. Usually these guys get overvalued, if anything. So it's kind of weird that he's remained undervalued given the year he had in 2021. And, yeah, start of this year was a bit down for him. But, again, Fairly young for the level, playing in in a pitcher-friendly double-A Eastern League, which has always been more of a pitcher-friendly league. I think it was one of the bottom three or four leagues in terms of runs per game for minor league levels last year. And then he really, once mid-season hit, he really turned it around. So I'd say he probably has a little bit of a higher floor than Lawler, but I think Lawler probably has a little bit higher upside, pure ceiling. Both are very, very good. And, you know, buy high on both of them, or maybe he, probably even buy a little bit low on Volpe here. Yeah. If someone's just looking at the overall so. stat line, which isn't quite as good as, you know, what he could do, what he did in 2021 and what he did second half of, of this past year. So, and I think Tovar has been undervalued as well. Like, I I think Colorado is there's haven't gone out and gotten really anybody yet. So I think they're going to give him that spot, whether it's opening day or, you know, later in April, we'll see. But, and his upside is not that far off from Volpe and Lawler. And given the you know, nice little Babbitt boost that you get from Coors Field, this is a guy that could be, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, you know, 25 or so steals. And, you know, he's always shown a solid hit tool. So 280, 15, 25, something like that. I think that's definitely, you know, maybe it's a lower percentage outcome and one of the higher, you know, higher outcomes for him. But that's definitely in play here. So I think Tovar is a great buy right now as well, even given his top 10 price tag. Yeah. And the- I feel like the Rockies are just so committed to him. Yeah. And they're going to run with, like he's going to be the everyday guy. It feels that way. Yeah. He makes good contact. And I think those Babbitt skills are really going to play up in cores. He may not be an elite power guy, but I don't think you need him to based on what he's capable of doing. So I'm, I'm still in on Tovar. And I think that here's what I do think will happen though. I think that he's going to play regularly and I think he, there's going to be some bumps in the road. So along that way, like I think his value probably drops a bit. And in the process, you can probably buy low. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you can buy right now. Like if it's buy high, buy low, it's hard to say. I mean, he only had 35 major league plate appearances, and while it wasn't great, like I don't know if that's enough to tear someone from or to make someone want to sell low on him. But if he struggles for a month or two it could create a good buying opportunity. And that's kind of what I think is going to happen because there's normally an adjustment period here with a lot of prospects. And even learning to play in Colorado is an underrated aspect. Coors Field just plays so differently for everybody. So it's going to be an adjustment. And he's going to have to learn how to play there and how pitches move differently there too. So it'll be interesting to see, but Tovar's still young. I mean, we're talking about someone that debuted, and he was 21 in his debut, just turned 21 on August 1st. So he just turned 21 and made his major league debut. So there's going to be growing pains, but at the end of the day, I do like Tovar still and very, very much in on him. Yeah, absolutely. And same thing goes for Oswald Peraza, who I have at 10, you have at 11. 
I think the skill set, I think, is I think there's better, you know, contact skills, better average potential with Tovar, but power speed wise, they're probably in similar ballparks moving forward. So that's why Tovar is, you know, a bit higher for both of us. But I think Peraza is a great, great buy right now. I'm hoping, you know, kind of similar to what I said about Colorado with, with Tovar. I'm hoping the Yankees give Peraza the gig and let him run with it. They should. Like I said, I want him and Volpe both starting, whether it's short and second, short and third, whatever. I don't even care. I want them both starting every day regularly by, you know, the all-star break of the latest thing, especially, you know, earlier for Peraza. So I think he's very undervalued. I think people are kind of hanging their hat on that little, you know, cold stretch he had. But overall, he's shown the power speed is there. Good ballpark, you know, should be a good lineup. You know, he'll probably hit low initially, obviously, but great time to buy Peraza. And I'm trying to get what if I can get one of him or Tovar, even in redrafts, because their ADP is both very, very reasonable. All formats, I want a lot of Peraza. I want a lot of Tovar because I think they're going to be really unvalued fantasy guys. You know, everyone knows they're good, but I think they're, I don't think people are really banking on how good they really can be. So I'm trying to get as many shares of Peraza as well. So he's very good price tag right now. I agree. I've man, I'm just shocked that he's just flown under the radar and like, I guess it was the poor start to the season. Yeah, exactly. But Gosh, he was so good down the stretch and I'm not sure people realize like how good he really was like from, I'm pull it up. But I think from like June 1st on, and I thought his major league showing was pretty solid as well. Like, I'm not sure you could ask for much more than what he did. And it still seems like he's flying under the radar because of that. So from May 25th on, until he got caught up on September 1st, we're talking about a player who slashed 292, 362, 506 with 15 home runs and 26 stolen bases. The strikeout rate was 23%. Just insanely good numbers across the board. And I'm just not sure why. Like, he just didn't get any love. It was like people thought he had a bad season. And, I mean, I wouldn't even say his overall line was unimpressive for someone who was, you know, turned 22 midseason and, and spent yeah. the whole year in AAA. I mean, the, the overall stat line, I would have still been happy with. Not to mention how good he was. Like I mentioned, after like a terrible slump to start the season, when he just went on a tear that second, not even second half, May 25th on, because up until that date, he was hitting 194 with four home runs. So he really stepped up the game significantly. Like something clicked and he went off. And it, I don't see him not being a regular guy for the Yankees, which is crazy. Like this isn't typically their way. But I think he's going to get plenty of reps with the team and get every chance to prove that he can be a guy and be a solid contributor to this team. I mean, he's currently penciled in as their starting shortstop on roster resource. I know that's not everything, but I'd say that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. And he's a good defender as well. That element of value to the Yankees. And it, this wasn't just like AAA induced because I think – He's like, oh, look, AAA, everything's up. No, that's the PCL specifically. I, I tweeted out on the 3rd of December, about a month ago now, 
the runs per game for each affiliated minor league this past season. And PCL was second, 5.79 runs per game. International League was right smack dab in the middle, 4.98 runs per game. So this was not International League cause because it's you know pretty neutral league in general. Obviously, you have your hitter parks and pitcher parks within that, but this was not you know like PCL induced like we've talked about with other guys. So yeah, it, it's weird how him and Volpe, two Yankee prospects that have had very good minor league careers, continue to fly under the radar. All right, let's keep going here. We got a lot of other names to get to here. Next, I want to talk about probably the one that is the biggest discrepancy in our top 20 as an eight spot gap. Novi Marte. So, Marte is a very interesting one, very hard one to rank, as you can see with the you know disparity here between the, our two rankings. I think for both of us, we've talked about it. He's a hard one to rank. The profile is changing, the body's changing. So I'll let Chris go first here, then I'll and I'll chime in with my two cents on him. Chris, what made you move Marte down to 14 in your short shop rankings, which I'm assuming puts him around, I'm just guessing, 50-ish overall? Yeah, he's right in that range. It's He's been a tough one to really evaluate and rank. Like you said, the body's really changed, and I think he's making adjustments. He's still making adjustments, and... On the AFL, and he he just looked a little uninspiring. Like, I don't even know if he wanted to be there, to be honest. Like, probably not. Probably he's tired too. Like a lot of those hitters get really tired out there. That's too. true. That's a, a fair point to make. It was. I mean, yeah, I'd say he he does everything you want him to do. I mean, he was solid after the trade to to Cincinnati, but. I want to see what he's capable of in double A. I mean, he made it to high A last year. He's a 19 year old and he spent this season as a, I mean, he turned 21 in, in October. So he was 20 for the entire season and we only saw him in high A. So I want to see him take that step and be challenged in double A and really see like what he can do. I have some concerns. The body is a bit concerning, and I think it's he's just not going to run much. We did see him steal 10 bases after the trade to Cincinnati, which I guess is encouraging. <laughs> but we also saw some flaws where there's a lack of line drives in the profile. Like, that really dipped, and he hit a lot of balls on the ground and a lot of fly balls. And I think he was fortunate to see his batting average stay where it was, all things considered. But... You look, and he hits the ball hard, as, as we should expect out of a profile like him. But I'm I'm just wondering, like, maybe I am too low on him. Like, as I'm sitting here talking about him, like, I'm just thinking that I, I'm a little bit low on him. And he could probably, like, he's probably similar to Marco Luciano, who I do have ranked higher. And everybody's jumped off the Marco Luciano train. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I could see these players being – fairly similar from like a statistical production standpoint. I don't know. That's just kind of my thoughts on it. Just like talking it out. Yeah. So with me, with Marte, you know, everyone knows I've been a big Marte guy for a while. I think he peaked at like four or five in my rankings. Probably. That's probably mid 2021. If I had to venture a guess. And he's kind of, you know, I think he dropped as low as like 21, 22 range. I have him back up inside that my top 20. And I, I, 
do share a lot of the concerns that Chris has had just with the body. We, we saw it. He's big, not like big in a bad way, but just big and bigger than he was in like 2021 or even earlier in 2022. He really bulked up. So he's still trying to figure out how to fully maximize that. I do think he still runs at least a little bit to provide some, but is it probably more in the, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten range as opposed to, you know, 20 plus probably we'll see. I don't know. He's still, like Chris mentioned, he's still running right now, even with the new frame. So we'll kind of wait and see on that. But I think he was pretty solid second half of the year, you know, late June really started going on tear that kind of went under the radar because it wasn't like big gaudy numbers, but improved the walk rate, dropped the K rate, still had a really solid slash line as well. And I just keep thinking, I'm trying to think of like how, when I was ranking him, I'm like, all right, what do I think he's going to be? He's kind of getting rid of what he has been. So obviously, I don't think that's coming back through the door. Looking at what he could be with this new version of Marte that we're seeing now. And I think the power is, could be, as Chris mentioned, if you get the bat of all profile a little, little better here. There's a lot of raw power here in this pro- profile. And he's going to be in maybe the most hitter friendly, probably I, th- I think, okay. I think great American ballpark is the most hitter friendly ballpark at this point. I think it's even surpassed course field overall. Yep. And it's having that type of power in there. I, I think there's still a solid hitter, not 300, not 290, but I mean, 270, 275, somewhere in that range. Babbitt boost will help. Maybe he's 280. Who knows? I think he still can get in that range. So 270, 280, 30 plus home runs. I think he's, Definitely capable of, of doing that over a full season while adding in maybe so close to double-digit steals in that general ballpark. At least it won't be a zero. So that's why I'm willing to give him, all right, he look, he still looked pretty good second half of the year. I want, I'm willing to make, all right, let's give him the first half of this year. Let's see how he looks before I drop him down further for me. And, and that's for Luciano here. <sighs> With Luciano, it's like I'm tired of waiting for things to click, and he's – hasn't been bad but he just hasn't really stood out at all like he's stopped running which is i don't like that he's absolutely stopped running he didn't even attempt to steal in 2022 11 home runs 269 350 again he's still good i'm not saying he's not but just wondering is that speed gone is he ever gonna have that as part of his game and if not he's really have to stand out with the bat and i don't like the bat with Luciano as much as I like the bat with Marte. I think there's more raw power potential with Marte. Not by a lot. I'm, you know, I, th- I still think Luciano can be like 25 to 30 and, you know, a 260 ish hitter, but I don't know. That's why I'm kind of putting him where I have him now. He's, he's closer to like top 50 overall for me. So I don't know. I, I'm still kind of one of the lower and maybe Luciano will make me eat, eat my words w- with this and have finally put together that one big year. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll eat crow then, but at this point he's not really one. I'm looking to to really target right now. Would you, would you have anything else to add on that, Chris? It's just the fact that Luciano is knocking to his game power because he's not pulling the ball enough. He's sitting to the oppo field too much. He hits the ball stupid hard. There's easy plus, maybe double plus raw in the profile. Yep, agreed. But he's just not getting to the poolside power, which is weird. He's also you saw the line drive rate kind of dip this year. And I think that had a natural effect in the Babbitt drop for him as well. So I three at 300 Babbitt, but you know, for a player that hits the ball as hard as he does, you might expect that to be a little higher. 
he's a weird profile ultimately, but I'm not willing to write either him or Marte off yet. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely not. I think they can both take major steps forward next year and solidify themselves back as top 25 prospects and maybe even higher than that. So I, I'm more willing to bet on Marte's skill set, which does lead me to need to change our ranking, though. Yeah, and the big thing with me, just like I was looking at what I think Luciano could be and like where I have other guys with that similar profile, which caused me to move him down. It's just the speed is the biggest thing. Like if he's not going to run, that's definitely a ding there. At first point, it was like, all right, he's probably going to be like a 10-ish steel guy. And now he's like, is he going to run at all? Is it going to be like... You know, best case scenario, maybe he's, I don't know, slightly lesser version of Carlos Correa. I think that could be some you know, offensively that could be, you know, in that range. But let's move on here as we get, we're already running long on our prospect rankings here. Let's go 20, you know, let's just go 21 through 40, discuss a couple, you know, pop up names, and then we'll go to the break. So 21 through 40 for me is Zach Neto, Brady House, Brooks Lee. Actually, no, it's for me. Brooks Lee, Zach Neto, Brady House. Colson Montgomery, Christian Hernandez, Khalil Watson, Trey Sweeney, Yidi Cape, Eggy Rosario, Roderick Arias, Angel Martinez, Carson Williams, Matt McLean, Jose Salas, Ronnie Mauricio, James Triantos, Bryce Terang, Jet Williams, Jihuan Bay, and Austin Martin. Chris, who you got? All right. So 21 is Junior Camonero. 22 is a Yidi Cape, followed by Edwin Arroyo. Bryce Terang and Carson Williams. 26 through 30 is on Hill Martinez, Jet Williams, Jose Salas, Brady House, and Trey Sweeney. And then 31 through 40, Warming Bernabel, which I can tell you he's not going to be a shortstop after seeing him in the AFL, but yeah, he's, yeah, still, nope. he's still a shortstop, technically, but he's not going to be. 32, Christian Hernandez, Joey Ortiz, Victor Acosta, Matt McClain. And then 36 through 40 is Jose Rodriguez, Ronnie Mauricio. Leover Paguero, Axel Sanchez, and Addison Barger. All right, Chris, real quick. Let's let's each give three names outside of our top 10 that we think are just going to really jump up rankings, whether it's a guy in the backhand top 100 that could be top 25, someone in the 150 range that could be top 50. Three names, quick reasoning why. Who are your, like, your biggest buys out of this range? I think Junior Caminero is an easy one for both of us. Agreed. I mean, just... Really good numbers across the board. Shows really good plate discipline. Hits the ball very hard. Just does everything you want to see a player do. And a young player at that. So he's an easy one to make a jump. Jackson Merrill seems like a cheat. Like cheating saying him. Like (laughs) I think the hype's kind of already there. Like where he'll really push up. But I think there's a legit chance that Merrill could easily bump up as a top 20 prospect. And he... I don't have him close to there now, so it's certainly that's certainly a name worth mentioning. Looking a little deeper, I'm still just not out on Brady House. I think there were just so many things that affected him last year. I mean, back injury, like that totally is going to affect your power, and it was enough to keep him out all year. So, like, he originally went on the IO with like a for like undisclosed reasons, then ended up being like a big deal where he missed the entire season. And I really like Brady House. I think the contact skills have been underrated with him, dating back to his prep days. Like, really good bat-to-ball and the fact that he hits the ball so hard. We didn't see him hit the ball that hard this year, actually. The exit were pretty disappointing. But I do think House bounces back, 
in a big way next year after we saw because we saw him when after he got drafted at the complex. I'm pretty sure just looked really good, and so I think that once he gets healthy, hopefully he'll be healthy for the whole season. And I think Brady House takes a big step forward. Yeah, a lot of good names there. I think that there's a lot of undervalued names here. Like I think Addison Barger is getting slept on a little bit here. I don't know where he ends up. You know, I think maybe it's third base. Actually, one more year for Matt Chapman, unless they you know sign him long term, of course. And it would just be an absolute travesty to not have Barker on the left side of the interview because he has a cannon for an arm. You know, pretty good raw power as well. I don't think he's gonna you know maintain the average he showed this year. I think he's more of like a two sixty two seventy guy, but that could be twenty five or so home runs and a little bit of speed. He's not he's on a burner. He's probably even a 45 grade speed, but I think there's still enough there to add, you know, eight, nine, 10 steals, something like that. So I think he's one that's being undervalued and could continue to jump up rankings this year. And maybe we'll even see him at mid season. We'll, we'll see how, you know, things kind of shake out in Toronto here. I definitely agree with Brady house, junior Camarero as well. Edwin Arroyo. I really like Edwin Arroyo a lot. I so many since he got, that might be one of my favorite systems overall for fantasy is just, all the fun, you know, our speed guys they have there that are just rising talent in general. So I think Edwin Arroyo, he was kind of rough end of the season. But overall, he was young for the level. It was a new level where he kind of struggled at. I think Arroyo overall power speed doesn't have huge power speed or huge power. Probably like a 15 home run guy. But Cincinnati, again, Babbitt boost there. Good speed as well. I think he hit for a solid average and with a good OBP as well. So I think he's going to rise up rankings as well. And Jackson Merrill, absolutely. You know, metrics are really, really good on him. So he's one. Looking a little further down, I I still believe a little bit in, in Roderick Arias enough to buy low. I think his debut here wasn't the greatest, but I'm not ready to write Roderick Arias off. Although, you know, maybe isn't quite the superstar that we people a lot of people thought he could be. I think he's still a good buy low here. You know, same thing with, you know, guys like, you know, Jose Rodriguez. I think he's a solid target for the White Sox. Lennon Sosa, underrated as well. Carlos Colmenares, I think, can take a step forward. Axel Sanchez, Jonathan Mejia. You know, a lot of fun breakout names or rising names here at this shortstop position. All right, Chris. You know what? We're already going pretty long here with prospects. We, we could go for so much longer here. Well, I think we're going to cut this up. What do you think, Chris? Make this two episodes? Do another one just dynasty by itself? Yeah, probably at this point. I mean, this, the <laughs> listeners have been on a while, so just with prospects. And that's good. I mean, I think there's been a lot of good combo. So I think yeah. if we get to the major league level, it's probably easily Even more this, combo. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> yeah, so it's probably a little too much. So we'll, we'll let's do that. I like the idea. All right, yeah. So we'll we'll go a little bit longer here with, with some more prospect talk, and then we'll do a separate one for dynasty. We might have to do the same thing with outfield and pitcher as well. We'll see. But yeah, so let's so we were talking about a lot of guys to buy right now. And everyone likes to look at the guys to buy, of course. And they like the, the rising names, but that's not all of, of what fantasy is and not all of what dynasty is. You know, sometimes you gotta sell players too. So is there anybody anywhere in your rankings? You know, we don't have to go super in depth, but anybody, you know, either high, low, wherever. You're just like, all right, this guy is you know, going too high in rankings now, and he, this is a good time to sell. Well, I think just knowing knowing the ebbs and flows is kind of like the stock market in a way, like knowing when to 
buy and sell is important. And I think there's a lot of hype around Mason Wynn's name for fantasy. Wynn is going to be an incredible real-life player. I mean, you know, you most likely know that he has a can of an arm. He's got like the fastest throw ever registered for StatCast. I mean, he's got great speed. He's got a good glove. But honestly, like I was a bit disappointed with him in the AFL. I saw him chase a lot of breakers out of the zone, and that gave me a bit of a concern. He does not hit the ball hard at all. So I also have that concern that it's like, well, does he ultimately not get to the kind of power that we hope? And it's possible. I mean, I think he definitely could, but I am afraid that he doesn't like, if he gets exploited with breakers, like that's certainly going to affect his stock. And I think that the hype may be at an all-time high. So I'm kind of encouraging like a sell of Mason Wynn just based on the hype. Now, again, I think he's going to be really good for real life. I think he's going to be a solid fantasy contributor too. But when I see the hard hit numbers, they're just not inspiring at all. So for that reason, like, I just feel like it's probably a good time to cash out on him because I think his stock probably could take a little bit of a hit next year. So Mason Wynn is a sell candidate for me. Yep, I endorse that as well. Yeah, it's, he, he's going to be a good player. Like, And we saw one of those throws out in the AFL. I wish I got on, on video. He had to go a couple of steps to his left, deeper in the, in the hole, and then, oh, I meant facing, no, to his right. Sorry, I'm, turn, I'm getting turned around here. To his right, deep in the hole. He kind of, he fielded it, kind of bobbled it a little bit. She had to pick it up off the ground. And then he just turns and uncorks this absolute missile over the first base. Like it was, yeah, this is an 80 grade arm. If, if there was a 90 grade, I'd give it 90 grade. Like it's such a good arm. Obviously he was, you know, a two-way player for a little bit, throwing, you know, mid nineties heat or up, maybe even upper nineties. I don't, I can't remember how high he was with his velocity, but yeah, I definitely, again, like him good amount, but yeah, I think he's, his perceived value is a bit higher than it probably should be. I'll give two names real quick. Guys that are a little bit further apart in my rankings. First one, I mean, we talked about this a little bit in the past, especially after the AFL. Matt McLean from Cincinnati. First off, so many, you know, he could play a little bit of outfield as well, but I just wonder if A, he just gets kind of lost in the shuffle at some point. I think there's a lot of better bats in this system. So I wonder where he fits long. Maybe he gets traded. Who knows? But so Matt McLean is mine here. You know, he had 17 home runs and 27 steals in 103 games. So like, there, there is, you know, some decent raw power in the profile, decent speed as well. I just wonder if he hits enough to maximize it. And it's kind of funny that it was one of the things that was when he was drafted, like, all right, the hit tool is solid. A lot of people have said that hit tool is good, but it really has not been good. You know, last year, 283 and 31 games. All right, that's fine. But this year, he only hit 232. With a, it's just way too much swing and miss in his profile. He struck out 28.1% of the time, and it seems it's getting worse. And he was swinging and missing a lot out in the AFL, struck out 32% of the time out there. But again, two home runs, six steals. He walks a good amount. Walk rate was in season about 15.5%, and out in the AFL, 14.5%. So maybe a little bit of a, you know, more value in OBP formats, but. I just don't like the 
you know, the contact skills, the way they're trending, too much swing and miss. He was chasing everything. Like he was, what he didn't see a pitcher he didn't like. So I'm just, I think he's still going to have some fantasy value, but he's sliding down my rankings for sure. And another one too that is probably unpopular, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm out on this guy or that he's not going to be good, but I do think Colson Montgomery does get a little bit overvalued for fantasy purposes at least. The metrics are good, right? You know, contact metrics are are solid, P- quality of contact very are above average plus, but he doesn't run at all. Don't really see him ever running. I, I just don't see speed be, ever being a part of his game, even five, six years. I don't think this guy is to see him more than the rogue steal here and there. And so I think the bat will be good. I think he's going to be, you know, 275, 280 type with 20, 25 home runs. But I think he's being pushed up too high for my liking for fantasy just because there's no speed in that profile. So again, good player, like him, but I think he's this where I'm seeing him ranked elsewhere. I think he's, it's going a bit too high for my liking. So those are my two cell candidates there. All right, Chris, I think this is going to wrap up this episode though. Again, we'll be back soon with our dynasty short step rankings, probably in the next couple of days. We're not quite sure when we'll get that episode out, but it'll be soon within, I said two or three days or so. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again, this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of our work, you know, all the various places that we mentioned earlier, the Patreon, Substack, Fantrax, Pitcher List, FTN, all the good stuff there. We always appreciate your support. And join us again next time for more shortstop talk. But until then, everyone take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MIAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MIAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?